Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Muslim CEO show. Our vision is Muslims leading the way in solving the world's biggest problems. So this is the perfect place for you if you want to become an amazing leader and grow your business or organization to the next level. We do this by learning from those that have been there, done it and got the thobe. I'm your brother and host Muhammad Al-Shad and today I'm truly honored to have with me the amazing Zafrul Noordin. Assalamu alaikum. Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thanks for having me on the show. No problem, it's my pleasure. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah, uh, doing good over here in Malaysia. Hot and rainy. <laughs> That's how I remember Malaysia actually. <laughs> you know, I'm really excited to have you on the show bro because you know, you've been part of some really, really unique uh, entrepreneurial projects, right? And I think that it's actually very weird to find someone like you who's been through some of the experiences. So I'm really, really looking forward to getting into all of that inshallah. Um, but just before we start, so for those of you that don't know Zafarul, let me give you a quick introduction, right? So Zafarul is the CEO and founder of Andalus Ventures. He's known as the face of lean startup in Asia, and he's been building companies since his college days. He's been the founder of multi-million dollar agency, uh, been chosen as a preferred partner by Microsoft and Stanford, and has helped multiple countries build up their local startup ecosystems, as well as launch national accelerator programs. So there's so many things in there and I can't wait to get into it. But I want to start with the question that I ask everyone, Zafrul, right? Which is, yeah, what sure. was 10-year-old Zafrul like? 10-year-old <laughs> Zafrul, eh? So, I mean, there was this, this uh, interesting story that my, my sisters told me of how I was very entrepreneurial uh, even back then, you know. So... Uh, I and and I, I was always you know thinking about okay you know how do I make some money right so I used to uh, I, 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 I used to um, kind of like take my all my sister's magazines and everything like that and I will cut them up into you know uh, cut up all the interesting pictures right put them into a, another sketchbook and sell it off to my friends right no way so, wow <laughs> So yeah, so my sisters will get annoyed and they're like, what's wrong, what's happened to my magazines? Why is it full of holes? And I think, you know, little brother is, you know, making a business out of the uh, the uh, magazines, right? So, yeah. Amazing. So so that means that you were very entrepreneurial, like yeah, a young age, right? Yeah, yeah, I was. I was I was uh, entrepreneurial at a young age, you know. Um, for example, when I was young, I, I love comic books. Uh, and uh, my sister was in the US, right? So I found a way to kind of like, you know, undercut even the comic stores in KL. So I'm like, okay. my sister, like, she comes back, like, hey, I want you to buy 100 of these comic books. And now I would like uh, get the comic books, sit in front, right in front of the store, right? And, and tell the people, hey, 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 you know what? I, I, can, get, I can sell this to you cheaper, right? So uh, <laughs> I still feel like that. So and and I, used to love, I used to love tech as well. I used to love computers and tech. So even, I mean, not as young as 10 years old, but maybe... Uh, as as young as maybe thirteen, I used to uh, pull apart the PC right mm. uh, back then, and then I used to kind of fix it up. So I'm like, okay, you know, I kind of pull apart, fix it, pull apart, fix it, right? Um, so I used to kind of be entrepreneurial, and I used to like all these tech gadgets, games, uh, you know. And, and, uh, and it's quite it's quite surprising <laughs> actually because um, like. Not only were you entrepreneurial, but you were actually resourceful as well, right? Because you were taking the magazines and doing all of that. <laughs> what I want to ask you that, where, where did that kind of come from? Because not a lot of people are like that at that age. I, I really don't know. Uh, this is an interesting question. Uh, and I think, same again, my sister, many, many, many years uh, down the road, right? 
I mean, she was doing her, her MBA, uh, and uh, one of her one of her thesis was uh, one of her you know research was that what is it that gets entrepreneurs to do what they do, right? Because it's like no one tells you, right? You know, no one tells you to take a leap and you know there's a cliff, all right? I'm going to run off and you know leap leap off it and f figure out you know uh, how am I going to land safely, right? So. And and yeah, I mean, it, it just clicks. No one really told me anything. I can't, or maybe someone did, or something happened. But uh, but yeah, it just ha it just came naturally. And uh, uh, you know, you know, you, you just I, I I used to be I always used to spot opportunities, right? I, and I'm like, hey, this this is something that I can do. And uh, yeah, just just do it. And my sister said that same thing. Actually, she re she researched a couple of entrepreneurs. And he said something about you guys entrepreneurs, you just, just do it, right? No one tells you to do it. You're just like, okay, I see it. All right, let's get it done. Mm, amazing. And and do, do you feel that like uh, there were people who are like family members or stuff like generally that are into business or does your family usually like just have normal jobs or like what's the structure? Because I'm trying to figure out where it comes from, you know? Yeah, maybe, I mean, my, 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 my dad, uh, I mean, he, I mean, he generally was a corporate man, right? He worked, uh, but he had, maybe he had a different thinking process, right? So, um, he used to read a lot, a lot of books and I, I think he traveled, I mean, his work brought him to travel a lot and I used to follow him, I guess, when I was, when I was a young kid. So maybe, you know, that kind of environment or, 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 or that kind of upbringing, Kind of like uh, opened my mind with regards to uh, entrepreneurship, but but yeah, I I, I even remember that uh, I had uh, I had a, a neighbor, and he was he was doing very well, right? Uh, he had a big house and a swimming pool. I was like, oh, this is cool. I want, you know. So what 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 did you do? And I said, oh yeah, you know, I do this X Y Z. You know, uh, I have an island. And I'm like, you have an island? Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so uh, so it was I. I I guess if you ask me, maybe it was bits and pieces of, uh, you know, uh, small, small interactions with people, right? Things that you get exposed to, conversations that you have with, with certain people. And I wouldn't, say it may, I wouldn't say it's one single thing, but maybe it was just many, 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 many things that come, that, that come, that come together uh, that kind of shapes your thinking process and your character. Mm. I think I think like it's amazing because like when when we go deeper into your journey, we're gonna see all the parts where uh, you know entrepreneurship kind of comes in your life. Um, I know Underless Ventures is like a huge thing that you guys are working on right now. We're gonna talk a lot about that. But just talk me through your journey from being that kind of young child who's into entrepreneurship to actually like now today Underless Ventures. Just talk me through the journey. Yeah, I think maybe uh, you know, like I said, I was I was always big on uh, you know. Um, entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial uh, I even didn't know the word entrepreneurship when I was younger I was like okay I wanted to start a business right and I think it was it started when I was in uni and uh, it was back then it was like the dot-com craze and uh, I had I had an offer and uh, opportunity to kind of like uh, drop out of university so I think someone uh, family uh, relative offered me uncle offered me about 200,000 ringgit right uh, to start a IT business right? uh, so I was like, okay, stay in uni, no money, no food, right? Twenty thousand, right? No brainer. So I kind like jumped out at uni. I started, uh, you know, it was my first company, my first. Uh, ended up to be a, a digital agency, right? Um, back back then, uh, you know, and uh, we built it from a bedroom to bedroom to boardroom. So it became a multi-million dollar uh, uh, digital uh, agency. 
And uh, alhamdulillah, we, you know, by the grace of Allah, we worked with some really great uh, clients, some of the biggest companies uh, in Malaysia. And then I think in uh, fast forward, I did that for about 10 years. <clears throat> and then I, at the same time, I've, I've always looked at startups, uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, I actually helped a couple of friends of mine launch their startups uh, and, you know, based in Silicon Valley. And, and the question was like, hey, Zaf, when when's your turn, right? When are you going to do something? Uh, so I kind of transitioned out of uh, uh, an IT, digital agency IT company into a into the startup in uh, maybe 2010, 2011. Uh, and the opportunity came because there was a, a you know, there was a very good, it was an uh, amazing pioneering uh, initiative by the government to transform our uh, economy nationwide. So they went and they looked for thousands of companies and then they just, uh, I, I guess, um, uh, filtered it down to maybe you know 30 to 50 companies to uh, transform the uh, economy. We were one of the companies that was selected, right? So back then we were like, okay, you know, this is you know basically countries okay, bring, build up your startup, you know, build up startups here, build up the startup ecosystem, you know, launch something in in, in the states and everything. So that was our kind of move to go from uh, national, I would say national uh, market to building a startup for. Uh, you know, for a, a global market. And that's why my first startup, Code Army, uh, launched, right? So I think, uh, and, and yeah, it was a big launch. You know, we launched in Silicon Valley and everything, had great reviews. Uh, and uh, we approached Stanford University and Microsoft and a couple more companies in the US. And we said, you know, we have this amazing project, which is a collaboration with the country and private sector. And, and they thought it was amazing. They haven't seen it, right? So. We partnered with them and whatnot. So yeah, it was it was an interesting journey, um, but at the same time, also a very humbling journey. I learned a lot, stumbled a lot, failed a lot, right? Uh, burned a lot of cash, you know. And uh, and along that uh, along that journey, uh, the people from Stanford say, "Hey, have you heard of this thing called lean startup? Right? This lean startup methodology and everything like that." And I said, "What's that?" Right? And they said, "Yeah, this is a process, I and mean, this is a methodology in how you actually, you know, how Silicon Valley builds startups, right?" So I'm like, "Ah, oh, all right." So when I read the book and I read all the mistakes that people make, I'm like, "Ah, oh, <laughs> I made." That's what you know, I've been doing. <laughs> that's what I've been doing. Mistake one, two, three, yeah. four, five. I'm like, yeah. "Oh my god!" Right? I was like, "I wish someone would have told me this, right?" Uh, and I felt the pain because, to be honest. Um, you know, we, uh, Alhamdulillah, we were blessed with, you know, some risk, you know, we made, uh, I'm, 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 I'm a typical, I'm a typical example of made millions, lost millions, right? <laughs> so, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so, and, 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 uh, so what, um, after learning that methodology, right? Uh, and I, I said, you know, hey, okay, uh, this is something that I wanted, I was passionate about and I said, I wanted to help other future entrepreneurs not go through the same mistakes and not feel the anguish of losing a lot of money that you've built over years, right? Uh, and I said, okay, uh, I think in 2014, we said, okay, when we, you know, let's let's do a, a, a kind of like a, a community workshop, Lean Startup workshop for the community back in Malaysia and share this and, you know, bring this to other budding entrepreneurs, right? So I think uh, fast forward, we did one, had great reaction, you know, great media coverage, and the community was like, "Hey, Zaf, you're doing only one. <laughs> you can't just do one and leave." <laughs> like, 
continue it and we continue it and then okay we'll do another one and we'll do another one and we'll do another one right and and um and then i would say that uh you know so can the, i just ask the, you one the, thing i just want to ask you one yeah. thing so you know you mentioned that um like you work with stanford microsoft all these kind of guys you approach them so you were actually you were actually in the u.s at that time or you were working from malaysia and doing it no, I, I was, um, yeah, so interestingly, uh, I, I was going back and forth in the, to the U.S., right? Okay. So um, the, the Malaysian passport is pretty good. Wherever you go, you, you get, you know, a number of months that you can stay. Wow, okay. Uh, our, our visa is, is quite, is, is, yeah, I would say, you know, it's quite uh, handy, right? <laughs> so I would go and come back, go and come back, right? So when you, um, when, you, when you were going there, like, so that means you physically really spent time in Silicon Valley, yeah? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so just tell, just tell us, uh, like me and the people watching, like, What's it like being in that environment as a Muslim, and and how is it like? Like, because we see movies about it, we see like you know the th <laughs> series and stuff. Like, what's it really like there, and what's it like being a Muslim there? Yeah, so I, I mean, if you are in in Silicon Valley, I mean, I I watch Silicon Valley for HBO, and I kind of giggle. I mean, I have good laugh at it because I know a lot of it is quite true, right? Uh, obviously, it's made for entertainment, so entertainment value, so but a lot of it is quite true. Uh, but being in, uh, in, in in Silicon Valley, the one thing I think being in uh, San Francisco, right, uh, Bay Area, uh, it's it's, I mean, you, you it's a melting pot of a lot of cultures and religions and whatnot. So everyone kind of respects you as a Muslim. I mean, this was back in two thousand twelve and thirteen, maybe, right? So I didn't really have much problems and challenges, really, you know, being a Muslim. Obviously, you know, it's not Islamic culture. I mean, you have all the other, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a normal American culture, right? Um, and uh, and I, I mean, I, I, I found it uh, okay to practice my, my religion as well. Um, and interestingly, is I, I travel quite a bit. I went to other ecosystems. I went to other countries, uh, parts of Europe, you know, in, in, the next, in, in the coming years. And I have always reached out for the local mosque or the musallah, right? Uh, just to just to kind of check it out, like what's the local community like? Always try to catch uh, Salatul Jumaat, right? Uh, just to, just to find out how everyone is doing it. And I think when I was in, um, I think the Bay Area, you uh, know, I mean, for me in Malaysia, right? You don't have any problems with masjid. Every corner you go, there's a masjid, right? Like, but I remember in San Francisco when you know the Salatul Jumaat, there's like. Oh, there's like three different, <laughs> three three different slots because the musola can't cater, right? So it's like you want a kutbah at twelve or kutbah at twelve thirty or a kutbah at one. I'm like, really? Okay, something yeah. like that, right? <laughs> so those are all kind of new experiences. But alhamdulillah, uh, I obviously uh, you know I had friends from Malaysia that were in there, so I kind of like they stayed with them and they brought me around and you know, um, halal food was, I mean, in, in San Francisco, halal food is pretty easy to find anyway, right? Um, yeah, so I don't know uh, how you would have felt in other parts of the US, but I think just in, in uh, Silicon Valley, uh, you know, it was, I mean, somewhat easier to kind of practice. Uh, and in the US, did you find that there was a lot of Muslims involved in the whole startup scene, the whole Silicon Valley, or were there very few? No, no, no. They, they were. I, I, I didn't find that many, to be honest, right? Um, you know, maybe I didn't go enough, much around, right? But, but I didn't find that many. Obviously, I met some, but I think, not, uh, you know, not that many that I can remember. Uh, you know, a, a lot of friends that were Jewish, right? And uh, they kind of also respect. Uh, and also kind of also understand the sensitivity between Muslims and Jews, right? So 
but but generally, you know, quite cool about it. Uh, quite quite respectful, right? Uh, I yeah, had I a lot think, of Jewish. Yeah, I think the Americans yeah. generally are, are very good like that. You know, like they're very open to other cultures. They're used to like yeah. normal American culture. So I think I think that's wonderful. I mean, like you were saying that. So then you kind of discovered this whole uh, lean startup thing. So tell me, how did it go from you just reading the book and learning about it to you actually becoming like the man for it in in Asia? You know. Yeah. So I think what we did was uh, the first thing we did was we took the the Code Army idea and we relaunched it in uh, in in UK, right? So I was then going back between between US, UK, uh, and uh, Malaysia, and then we applied it, and then you know we we got traction, and you know it started to gain, uh, you know, it started to get traction, and we're like, oh, okay, this is this is how it's done, and we said you know it's going to get successful. And then we're like, okay, with a bit of success, uh, we we started to, and then we, and then 2014 or something, we did our first uh, community workshop back in KL because I came back to Malaysia actually to sort out our funding issue, right? To meet our funders and everything like that, right? It was a like a progress update, and I said, okay, while we're there for one or two months, we'll we'll you know do this this workshop, and it just kind of grew. Uh, I we did one workshop and we did the other workshop and we did the next workshop, right? And I think the turning point was that um, there was a person from uh, our, uh, our, our sovereign wealth fund uh, that said, hey, you know, uh, I mean, I, I think he was also, he spent some time in, uh, uh, in the US, but not in San Francisco. He was from Boston, right? So he knew all this startup stuff. And I guess he also, he, he, he heard about Lean Startup. And when he found out there was a, you know, a Malaysian doing Lean Startup, he was like, okay, could you could you bring lean startup into corporate Malaysia, right? Because the sovereign wealth fund, uh, obviously, they invested into probably the biggest companies in Malaysia, right? Their own shares. So, can you bring lean startup into these companies? And I, I think that was our pivoting point, right? We were like, oh man, we're just getting traction in UK with our Code Army platform and everything like that. Uh, but this is really a, a once in a lifetime opportunity, right? You you know, it's not every day someone knocks at your door and say, hey, you know what? I'm giving you access to uh, you know, uh, you know, a, a dozen billion dollar companies, right? So, so just to it, clarify, like for those people that don't know what a sovereign wealth fund is, like can you just explain, give us an overview of what is it? Yeah, so it's it's basically a um, uh, when the country wants to invest into uh, a, a any private uh, into companies, right? So they they set up this you know this fund, right? And and they invest in and they have they they own companies uh, through this particular fund. So uh, I think Singapore has a sovereign wealth fund as well, and Brunei has a sovereign, every country that I think I know has some sort of sovereign wealth fund, right? So, it's so basically, you, owning, yeah. yeah, government, so you, you were working on the Code mm-hmm. Army thing in London, but obviously now that the, the wealth fund, the government of your country has come and said, why don't you come to these top companies in Malaysia and help us implement this? So you were like, that's yeah. it, this is great, yeah? Yeah, but I think at, at, at that time, we, we, we said this, we said, okay, this is a great opportunity. I think we should explore it, right? But all right, we're not giving up on our Code Army uh, ideology, right? Because we, we're getting traction and then the people, the customers in UK are buzzing us and everything like that. And But we said, never mind, never mind. We, we put it, we put Code Army on the back burner for six months, right? And let's, let's pursue this opportunity. So, you know, and obviously that six months became nine months and yeah. a year and, you know, next thing you know, it like, okay, man, this has been on the back burner for two years and we've lost traction, right? <laughs> like, no one's going to wait around for you for that long. Uh, 
Uh, and obviously, you know, the 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 uh, initiative with the sovereign wealth picked up uh, pick, picked up steam, and uh, yeah, so we that then uh, because we started to apply it in corporate Malaysia, right, uh, with large companies, so the Americans also say, hey, how did you do it for your country, right? You really brought you know lead startup uh, the workshop to a new level, and then said, hey, take care of the whole country, right? And um, and that at that time just so happened uh, there was. The the uh, um, the the lean startup workshop guys uh, they had a guy from Singapore who was kind of doing the entire region taking care of uh, region because you know lean startup was the head office was in New York right uh, the workshop was in New York so obviously coming to you from US to Asia was a big cost so there was a Singapore guy doing it and just so happens at that time the Singaporean guy went off to do his startup and there was a void like okay there's no one looking at the region so. They kind of try to ask, hey, Zafro, you know, do you want to take a look after the entire region? Uh, yes. So, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, how many countries? And then, and then uh, we we said, I, I just said, okay, I just I just want to do ASEAN, right? I just want to do ASEAN 10 countries, right? And at that time, my, I had team members, and one of it was from Maldives. And they said, Zaf, can you, open, can you even do Maldives? And um, I'm like... Do you mean that the Maldivians are going to pay me to go to Maldives? <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, sure. <laughs> so I, we put in a few more countries in it. So ended up we, we we decided to to take care of 14 countries. To be honest. Wow. Right? So just to clarify, like the book Lean Startup, like those guys made you the main guy who was basically authorized to implement this in all of these countries. Yeah. So the guy who wrote the book. Uh, license a workshop to another guy, right? So, uh, and and the, the the workshop guys actually uh, license us fourteen countries to kind of do this workshop Amazing. in fourteen countries. So, yeah. t- tell, so me, tell me, tell me, t- tell yeah. me some of the stuff that you were doing because so I get it that you were working all these countries that the sovereign wealth fund was there, but practically, like concretely, like what were you actually doing? Yeah, I, um, g- generally we uh, because I mean the the lean startup is I mean it's. It, Theoretically, it's very easy to understand, uh, but what we found out that uh, practically to implement it is very hard. That's the challenging part, right? So the the, the hard part is when okay, when you read the book, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, they made it so easy. It's like okay, I get it, right? But then when you do it, is is when you run into a lot of problems. And we were coaching, we were coaching people how to actually implement it. How, you know, uh, you know, for example, if you wanted to start the startup, okay, this is your steps, right? Step one to step ten. Uh, and sometimes even implementing step one, for example, okay, I'm going to do customer interviews, right? Even implementing, uh, executing customer interviews, uh, people stumble, right? So we're like, okay, now we go in, we coach them how to do customer interviews, right? We listen to how they do it, we give feedback, we correct them, and okay, get out, right? And get the learnings from those customer interviews, yeah? Uh, and then, you know, understand, okay, what should I do now? Should I pivot? Should I not? Things like that, yeah. So, so generally, I was yeah. Sorry. I, I want you to ask, like, um, like, give us an overview of first of all, uh, why do we need a methodology when it comes to startups, and what is the lean start <laughs> methodology? What it's generally about? What is it saying? Yeah. So I think generally, if 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 I were to, a lot of people ask me this question, right? Uh, and you see, when when you start when when you start a startup, there's uh, or any kind of business, you you basically have two modes, right? Right. And uh, what we are taught in school with MBA courses and everything, right, is how to run an existing business. 
and those businesses are in execution mode, right? So businesses are running, they have, you know, obviously have operations and they have the products and services, right? But when you're doing a startup, you're in search mode. You're searching for everything. You're searching for who's my customer. You're searching for what's my price point. You're searching for what's my product. You're searching for what's my value proposition. You're searching for so many things. And anyone that has started starting a business will understand like, okay, you know, when people say, so, uh, you know, what, what's your price point? Oh, no, we, we're just testing the market and we're just trying to see whether people want to have feedback. They actually don't know how much to charge, right? They don't, they don't know how much to cost, how much to charge. So, so the lean startup actually gets you into search mode, right? How do you actually search for all these things? And when you're in search mode, you are in, uh, you know, you are in a state of uncertainty. You are, you are working in an environment where nothing's certain, right? You, you know, and the lean startup puts a process in terms of how you uncover, you know, bit by bit of your of your business, uh, and to know whether or not it is a business before you actually go into execution mode, right? So, um, and and the one thing that I, I also talk about the lean startup that it does very well, right, is something called um, something called customer development, right? So, I think a lot of processes like you know hackathons and things like that help you do product development, but we've never really learned customer development. How do you develop customers, right? And the Lean Startup actually has a high um, focus on actual customer development, right? Customer first. So it's almost like, uh, and in the, in the programs that we run, right? Uh, so we've run a couple of programs. So we run short workshops and we run even longer, three, four months uh, accelerators and pre-accelerators. And what we teach our, you know, what we, you know, the mantra that we teach is that don't build your product first. Go out and develop your customers first, right? So even before a single, even before you even think about your product, you've already got like a handful of customers that are, you know, that have this problem that they want you to solve the problem and, you know, kind of like waiting for what solution that you come up with, right? So, so a lot of Lean Startup brings that forward, that, that customer development forward, and which is not normal, uh, which is not something that we are used to because we're used to, I mean, uh, I don't know whether you, you've, I mean, in you, the, the entrepreneurs that you train, uh, how many of the entrepreneurs come out and say, hey, I've got a great idea, you know, I need to be a funding, I need to be my products first, I need to be my marketing, you know, kid, and then I'm going to launch it, right? But the lean startup says, okay, you have an idea, you go to market in three days. Everyone goes, how? How am I going to go to market in three days, right? It's impossible. And in our workshop, that's one of the things that we teach, like from idea, you go to market, get some, some first customers, and maybe even get some, you know, pre-orders in less than three days, right? So it is a completely mindset shift, and it's those methodologies, tools uh, that that uh, equip you to uh, to do these things, like like to launch a business and to focus on customer development first. Uh, so yeah, I think I think it's, it's a wonderful it, thing, yeah. bro. You said that it's really important because uh, I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs who. <laughs> They have this idea, they fall in love with the idea, and then they fall in love with the idea of getting funded for that idea, and then they just basically do nothing with it. I remember speaking to this one sister who had this uh, really amazing idea, right? And I'm like, okay, this is a fantastic idea. I love it. I really think it can work. Okay, great. Like, tell me how many have you sold? And she's like, no, no, I'm looking for funding. I'm like, hold on, you're looking for funding? How much would it cost for you to make one of these products? Uh, probably about 20 pounds. I'm like, so why haven't you made like 10 products and gone and sold them? Oh no, I'm waiting for funding. 
I'm like, what is going on here? You know? So I think, I think like having that methodology, like where you go to market quick, because then it's that whole thing where if it fails, you fail fast and you get up and you go again. Right. So yeah. I think it's like really, really great thinking. And, and us personally, like within our own uh, Muslim CEO, this is what we do. Like before we started the current program that we offer, we, before we built it, cause you know, building it took months for us before we built it, right. we went out and we said, right, this is our idea. This is what we want to do. Do you want to buy this? Do you want to buy this? Do you want to buy mm. this? And then people came back and said, I will buy it. Here's the money. I'll buy it. Here's the money. And we were like, okay, good. We know this will sell. We know this is valuable. It solves a problem. Now let's go and build it. You know? So it's, it's that type right. of kind of mentality. And I think it's really, really important uh, to kind of do that. And so, so how do you kind of, uh, like, how do you advise someone does that? Where Like, I might be that, that sister I'm talking about who's got a great idea, could really work. I'm thinking, look, I need some significant cash to do this properly. Like, how do I actually turn that idea into something within a week I do it? Yeah. So I think like for us, um, uh, so what I do is that we've got some very short workshops, like two and a half days, right? Uh, it is the Lean Startup Machine Workshop. It's the flagship workshop that we carry across the, across the uh, region. So, and uh, we've always said that um, the Lean Startup Machine Workshop is the arrowhead of the Lean Startup Movement, right? And it's designed to give you this, I guess, mindset shift uh, among things. And because you're in a group environment and you're put into groups of three to five, so you are trying out this new process, right? Uh, new method, new thinking, new way of doing things within the group. And then because you're going through it and you've seen it, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Now I think maybe I can have a different approach. So that is, I think, generally what we do. And, and then uh, what we have done, what we did for our sovereign wealth fund is that we actually uh, designed a four-month program where they actually follow through the entire process and actually uh, get a, a you know uh, get a full working startup right uh, and funded uh, by the end of the fourth, fourth month right. So uh, and to get funded, basically, if you move backwards, to get funded, you need customers right. And to get customers, you need, you need kind of, kind of a product. So we teach them okay how do you build a minimum viable product right. How do you build a minimum viable product to get your first 10 customers to show a potential investor that, hey, I've got a, I'm solving a problem. I think there's a market. I've managed to put together a, simple, I know, a minimum viable product and I managed to convince 10 customers or so to kind of buy this product or use this product, right? Um, so we have all the techniques in, in terms of, of that. And um, our program that we built uh, together with the Sovereign Wealth Fund got the startups to the point where they had MVPs, customers, even get the first check. Uh, with zero investment, so wow. we, wanted wow, sh- we wanted to sh- we wanted to show that this this process or this methodology could work, right? And uh, you know, it's just uh, the founders had to put in sweat equity, right? They had to put in sweat equity. They had to pick up new skills, and they had to execute it. Uh, but it was zero funding. It was zero funding. So um, that was the the I think um, our real uh, testament in terms of how. We've managed to take this methodology. We've tried it ourselves on Code Army in, in the UK. Uh, bring it, teach it to, you know, teach it in a, in a short workshop to the community, and then take a selected few, run them through a full uh, four-month pre-accelerator, get them from idea to first check, right? Uh, with zero investment, but 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 giving them new skill sets, right? Give them entrepreneurial skill sets, uh, you know, real practical know-how and knowledge in terms of how do you actually uh, build a startup from scratch. Right? So what, what are some of the skill sets? Because this is very interesting, right? Like we talked about you being very resourceful 
uh, at the start of your life and stuff, right? So when you when you look at startups and you look at founders mm. and you look at these teams, like what are the mm. skills that like uh, founders and, and startup teams really need to build within themselves? Okay, so the the first skill that founders need to build or startup teams need to build is uh, the the ability to extract insights from customers, right? And you do that. Uh, by doing great customer interviews. And, and I, I, I say customer interviews, it sounds like, okay, I just go out and talk to customers, right? The skill of asking the right questions is such a uh, undervalued skill and it's such a skill that is non-existent in a lot of teams, right? A lot of teams fail, like they don't know how to go and talk to people. They don't know how to even extract information and insights because you need to extract insights, right? Uh, I think I had uh, I you know uh, uh, I, I had this uh, this great uh, uh, mentor or coach as well that I bring into our programs from Australia. A lot of people ask me, why can't I just do surveys? You know, why can't I just do focus groups? You know, I can get information out like that. He said, no, you do customer interviews because you want to find out secrets from the customer. What is it? What is he not telling you? What's his real behavior like? Right. So you need to draw out secrets. And to do that, you need to look at body language, you need to see how they're answering, you need to dig deeper, you need to ask follow-up questions, right? It's almost like a, you're almost like a detective, right? So you need to find out, you know, is this guy lying to me? Is this guy telling me the truth? How do I get him to cooperate, right? So that's the first skill. The second skill is that to creatively think about how can you build something called minimum viable products, right? Uh, with all the tools and technology that you have. So, for example, in Code Army, when we launched uh, the Code Army platform in UK, right, we tested 90 online apps, right, and we hacked it and meshed it together, and we put it out there, and you know, it looked like a fully functional uh, app, right, uh, you know. So, so, but yeah, you know, very creative. I mean, you, you use all sorts of creative stuff, like you use, you know, you use uh, Wufu forms for payments, you use Google Docs for this, you use, you know, website builders for that, you use Zapier for connecting, all that kind of stuff. So you got to be very resourceful in terms of how you build MVPs, right? And you can seem like you can serve a small number of customers, right? So, uh, and you have to be very creative in how you come up with minimum viable products. Uh, I've given talks to a lot of, in, I've given a lot of talks, you know, in, 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 you know, in this region. And I can tell you, um, I, and I do it all the time, right? I say, okay, I'm on stage right now. You pitch to me your idea. I guarantee you, 90% of all of you in audience right now, 90% of all your ideas, we can MVP it and we can launch in two days, right? And generally, that's what comes up. Yeah, some 10% you can't MVP, you know, if it's a very highly technical product, maybe it's hard to kind of MVP it, but generally if you're creative enough, you can MVP. And I like this technique called the concierge MVP, means that you are almost, you know, we, either call it people, people call it Wizard of Oz or people call it concierge, right? Then, you know, you can, uh, uh, you know, they say fake it till you make it, right? So. It looks like a fully functional app, but in the background, you're supporting it with a lot of manual stuff, right? Uh, and and yeah, uh, I, I love that technique. I teach it to all my teams, in, in, especially in a pre-accelerator, in, in a longer program. And that's how they get their customers. They concierge everything, right? They wizard of Oz at the front. It looks like a technical, you know, fully functional app, but you know, there's a lot of uh, concierge at the back, right, to deliver the service or the experience. 
So I think these are the two skills that uh, any early stage founder needs to pick up, right? Ability to uh, really interview, get customer insights, and the ability to creatively figure out uh, in a minimum viable products and launch it to your sure. first early customers. I really love that thing you said about questions, about being a detective, <clears throat> because a lot of the times when I've helped uh, people start businesses and stuff, I've done customer interviews, even customers that I've served uh, you know, as an agency, I used to interview the customer of my customer. Right? Um, right, and I would literally yeah. I would grill them like I would go so deep type of thing. So I love that whole questioning. What I want to ask you is that one of the big messages you're pushing out today is you're saying that look, if you have an idea within three, four, five days, like you could get moving with that idea, do the most minimum viable kind of version of it and get moving. Okay, um, so that's great. And and anyone listening to this, ninety percent of the people watching this should be going. That's me. How do I do that? Right. And once you open your mind to how am I going to do that if I had to, it really opens up anyway. Right. But what I want to ask you is, let's say I do that, like in a week, I actually get this stuff together and I get moving on it. How do I know or when do I know that the concept is actually proven like this has legs? Like, is there a number of sales? Is there a value to it? Like, how do I know now that I've started getting a bit of traction that this could actually be something really, really big and viable? Yeah. So... I think, you know, uh, it's, it's obviously different for different businesses, right? Uh, so what, what we do normally is depending on what's the business that you're in. So, for example, if you're, in, uh, and you're planning to do an e-commerce platform and you wanted to sell certain products, so you, you say, okay, you know, I know if I am able to convince people to buy 10 products and they come back and they buy, you know, in, you know, repeatedly three times or something. So I know, hey, you know what, I've got some kind of like, uh, match here right so uh, I would say that you know it differs to from startup to startup right but you can have a general sense of some you know kind of indicator that this is a, a, a good uh, a good uh, indicator so in, in our in our programs like for example uh, I, I'm thinking about okay so one startup uh, very famous now in Malaysia right uh, they have a franchise of burger uh, you know um, they have a franchise of a burger shop right uh, it's called My Burger Labs, right? So uh, LSM, you know, Lean Startup, uh, uh, alumni, and for him, I think they experimented, you know, he rented a restaurant that was not used in the evenings. And for him, he said, okay, uh, if, uh, you know, if I ask my friends and family to come and try my food, they will because they're friends and family, right? But I want them to come back. I want them to return and buy my burgers seven times, for example, right? So, you know, you can be friends. If your burger sucks, you know, I'm not going to come back and buy your burger yeah, seven yeah. times, right? right. Uh, so that's one example, right? So, so yeah, so that was one example. So another example that uh, also a friend of mine, he runs this, uh, you know, on-demand uh, battery replacement, car battery replacement. So if you, your car gets stranded out in the street, make a call, right? Things like that. So he had a very interesting, he wanted to test the market, right? So what he did was that he spent some, he spent like less than just a few hundred ringgit, right? That's like maybe 20 pounds or something. Put up this ad, right? Uh, in, you know, this product's ad in, I think, Google or something. and said, okay, battery date, call me, right? So, um, and what he did was people calling him, right? People started calling him. And he just wanted to say, okay, if I get 100 calls a day, I know onto something yes right but he didn't have he didn't have any batteries at that time right mm. he didn't have any batteries so what he did was oh, oh sorry our batteries run out 
<laughs> yeah, I have no batteries. <laughs> we are the batteries. We are the batteries. So after a while, we're like, okay, I have just lost so much business. Uh, you know, and she said immediately, okay, I'm going to go and find some guys who do this on the side, repair batteries, and I'm going to have some agreement with them or not. So yeah, so you you can set, you know, again for every business, you have, you know, you can set what's my threshold. If I see this number happening, right, uh, it kind of validates my uh, hypothesis of what's my market size so that you know obviously it gets it's very easy to get in to fall in love with market data you go on google you market everything and you know you research everything everything points to points that it's a billion dollar opportunity and everyone <laughs> yeah. just say oh if i get one percent i just get i just need one percent <laughs> of this billion dollar opportunity right and yeah. it's a hundred million dollar a year uh, right and i always tell my my the startup that come through our, uh, our, our program to say, okay, you can get 100 million, get me 10 customers first. Go out and find 10 customers, right? Uh, don't talk about 100 million, right? So if you can't find 10, then that's, that's a big problem. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, okay, wonderful. Yeah. I, I love those suggestions. And I think you're right. Like, you need to look at your industry, you need to make the hypothesis based on that, and then obviously go further. So that's great. Um, another big thing that I know you're an expert in different fields, right? One thing that I'm really interested in about you and your expertise um, is innovation. Right, because I know you guys have done a lot of work on on how to innovate and this and that. So just just tell me like a little bit about like what is innovation, why is it important, and how does someone start doing that in a in a business which is fairly established now? Yeah. So I think the first thing I want to coin, I wanted to kind of clarify, innovation is not invention, right? So it doesn't mean that oh I know I can't be innovative because I can't think of something new. Coming out of something new is invention, right? So, and uh, you know, innovation is, it has so many uh, definitions, I mean, so many uh, ways of being uh, uh, innovative, right? You could be, you know, uh, iteratively adding to a particular uh, product, right? Uh, it could also be removal, right? Uh, and uh, inno removal, innovation using removal is what Apple is great at. If you look at Apple, all the new products is removing something. <laughs> they keep on removing stuff, right? Uh, so that's just to clarify uh, that's uh, innovation mm. and, and normally what you do is innovation you know you're, you're you're trying to help someone you know you're trying to improve fix a problem improve lives right make it easy for communities or person and things like that so that's first I wanted to get that clear out of the way so now that if uh, from a company or a well-established company I, I think our our experience going into helping uh, well-established companies obviously was with our program, uh, our experience with the Sovereign Wealth Fund uh, that allowed us to work with their portfolio companies, which are all very, very large, you know, multi-billion dollar companies, right? Um, and and when you look at, when, when you look at, uh, and, and yeah, and during that period as well, we were very fortunate to collaborate also with GE. So, uh, GE in ASEAN, I, I think GE was, uh, I think, you know, one of the large corporations to uh, embrace Lean Startup as a methodology. Uh, but when they brought it into uh, GE, uh, obviously, they renamed it to Fastworks because Lean Startup oh, and Lean yeah. Six Sigma were so close and people get mm. confused. So they said, okay, it's called Fastworks, right? And uh, we got to see how big corporations embraced, uh, you know, this innovation thinking, uh, startup culture, move fast, agile, come up with new things. And to me, a corporate really looks at innovation in two ways, right? It's either 
generating uh, new wealth or new revenue, right? Or looking at innovation in terms of process efficiency and, and optimization. Uh, you know, generally the, the companies are really interested in these two things, right? Uh, new money or looking at how do I, you know, improve my efficiency operations? How do I save costs? How do I improve my productivity of employees, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I think those those are I think generally how we worked also with some of the corporates, right? Um, but what we did for our program with uh, the corporates is number one was just to introduce the culture and mindset of uh, startup innovation, entrepreneurial things like that, uh, which was very foreign to a lot of the companies that we we went in. So for example, I think um, one engagement. Uh, that we had with one of the companies or the, or the portfolio companies, it was a telco, and that telco was regional. Uh, and we had a prog- we had a pro- we had a uh, project to go to four countries, right, uh, and introduce uh, this culture of fail fast, succeed faster, right? Because they had a cop- internal company culture of fail to learn, right? So if you're not mm. trying and experimenting, you're not you're not learning, right? So just for us to go in every country like we did uh, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Indonesia and Malaysia, right? Uh, you know, failing, not just on the corporate side, but even on a, on a country uh, culture like uh, Bangladesh or Sri Lanka was, you don't fail. <laughs> like, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the place where people get 100, 99% marks and the dad's like, why didn't you get 100, son? <laughs> yeah. It's like, you want me to f- embrace failure? Are you crazy? <laughs> right? Uh, so... Uh, even you know, just to get them to be innovative is to basically uh, to reshape failure, right? Is is to uh, you know is to reprogram what what does failure mean? And uh, failure in a in a controlled environment that means you are running an experiment and you're finding out that you know you're failing in in two weeks or uh, you know four weeks, right? And learning from it is what we deem as failure, right? It's not something that you work on for the last you know, year and a half. You just blew a couple million dollars of your corporate budget, uh, and then and then you figure out, oh, this is wrong and things like that. Obviously, that kind of failure is not acceptable. But failure in you know in controlled environments, short, quick failure where you are learning and it's leading you to you know doing better and doing the right thing, is the kind of failure that we kind of like you know you know introduced into you know these companies. Uh, and also just to kind of like tackle the, uh, you know, against even a country's uh, culture uh, or understanding of what, what failure is. Okay, amazing. So w- what I want you to ask you then, because <coughs> I think innovation is a very interesting topic, and I, I like the way you're talking about it on the big, big corporate side, because you're right, the mindset is just not there for it. Um, I want you to ask you, let, let's imagine that we have someone who's kind of like much smaller than that, like, Let's say someone, for example, has a um, something like a Quran uh, program or something, right? Or they have a Quran app or something like that, like Muslim type of business, something small. They've had some traction. They've had some business. Like, should they be innovating? How would someone like that innovate? Yeah, I think in in in, in those kind of uh, so you could go in. Uh, you could go in in terms of I guess you could go wide or you could go deep, right? Uh, in a sense where you can say, okay, I'm focused on either I'm focused on a problem or I'm focused on a customer segment. So, for example, if I'm tackling a problem of just getting, uh, you know, I'm tackling problem of getting people to read more Quran, right? 
then you could tackle the different customer segments or different types of people who read more Quran. You could, you could be tackling problems of people who read Quran socially. You could tackle problems of people who want to read Quran as, you know, as a Hafiz. You could tackle uh, you know, people who want to read Quran as maybe young kids. You could tackle problems who want to read Quran as I mean, uh, older adults, right? So each of them will probably need different variations of a product suite, right? Because each of them has different, you know, di different, I guess, life lens, right? And, and, and different circumstances and what they need. So then you could go in deep into that. But I, I think then, but if you're saying that, you know, I'm going to tackle, I'm going to be focused on a particular customer segment. That means I'm going to be focused on uh, serving uh, Muslim women, right? Or Muslim working women. Then you, your product suite could be like, maybe it's just not reading Quran. Maybe it's about, I don't know, uh, being a good uh, Muslimah, right? Uh, being a good Muslim at work, you know, things like that. So it could go out of uh, Quran, right? It could go out of reading Quran. So that's how I, I would I would advise any kind of like Muslim startup right now uh, to, to kind of like, and we teach this as well, right? How do you kind of like grow your business? You know, are you products, are you problem centric or you customer centric, right? And uh, that's a decision because a lot, a lot of founders ask me, should I build a, new, a full suite of, you know, uh, products everywhere and things like that? But if you have a strategy in terms of how you want to grow your business and what drives you, right, then that will also determine what, what problem you're going to solve, right? So you can have a variety of ways. And all this needs experimentation, right? You need to go in and experiment and then you need to break down your customer segments and things like that. Uh, you know, that, like I said, all, all these things have a methodology and a process in place, right? Uh, and it can make sense in terms of help, helps you navigate uh, through the, you know, I guess for founders, the 100 questions that you might have, uh, you know, what should I do next, yeah. right, uh, you know, yeah. Okay, amazing. So, like, we can see that there's loads of experience, mashallah, <clears throat> that you have. Like, tell me a little bit about, like, Andalus Ventures, right? Like, what is it, why do you think it's needed, and what are you guys working on? Yeah, so I think in my, in, 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 in my, in my journey as well, I think, uh, you know, when we were working with the Sovereign Wealth Fund and we kind of, pivoted to this, right? Uh, and uh, we started to, to all, obviously, uh, so Alhamdulillah, when you get a bit of success, then, uh, you know, even our Ministry, higher ed of education, uh, Ministry of Higher Education approached us to say, okay, launch a program for all universities in Malaysia, right? Uh, 200 over university and higher education colleges and whatnot. And during that time, I think someone from another agency approached me and said, hey, Zafro, you know, can you look, uh, you know, take a look at the Islamic startup scene, right? Uh, which we were not really focusing on because, I mean, uh, I, mean I, I, I thought that they already had good players there and good government agencies there, they were tackling the problem. But when I got into, when I started looking into it, then I saw a couple of, uh, you know, in, in my mind, uh, I would say, uh, I felt that Muslim founders were underserved, right? Uh, and, I, and I felt that Muslim startups did not get a level, level playing field uh, in terms of funding and things like that. Because, I mean, I, I obviously know some, uh, you know, partners in funds and things, you know, so I asked them, you know, you know is it why, why don't you invest? Uh, why don't you make some investments into Shara compliant startups and Islamic startups? And they said, yeah, you know, um, it, uh, being Shara compliant adds an uh, added hurdle, right? Or added challenge to, to a particular startup, not necessarily giving, you know, more returns. So investors are like, okay, why should, you know, why do I want the extra uh, burden? But for us Muslims, it's great, right? Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's obviously, you know, for as a, as a ibadah and, you know, you, 
you you say okay yeah. this is something that we want to do as Muslims, right? Hmm. Um, so I think that that was the first thing that that triggered me and said, oh wait, I mean there's problems in this uh, you know the Islamic startup ecosystem, and uh, and at the same time when I was looking into it as well, I also saw a great opportunity. Uh, you know, obviously everyone knows about a two billion population in the world, uh, it's a trillion dollar market, and I felt that. Uh, you know, I, I felt that the timing also was great uh, as an Islamic startup right now. Uh, you know, something that this, uh, alhamdulillah, you know, uh, I, I guess, you know, we have to say a big thank you to the first movers uh, in the Islamic startup scene, maybe like yourself as well, right? It's kind of like path the way and, you know, and like, you know, for, for us to come, right? And I think um, one thing that I realized as well, being in Malaysia was also very strategic because we, Somehow, right? Uh, I don't know whether by design or just happens that we have a very interesting, um, you know, Islamic Muslim brand hmm. that that is, that that is, you know, we're like the, I, I guess we're like the Switzerland of the world, and you know, people just Definitely. kind of, yeah, people just, you know, it's all oh, Malaysian Islamic halal brand, you know, like we're very neutral in that sense, right? And you know, uh, we are kind of like glo- globally uh, uh, accepted. So I was thinking, okay, I'm in Malaysia, and this is a, this is a very strategic, you know, uh, 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 location to kind of like you know, build Islamic startups, right? So, so yeah, so I think it was a combination of both, right? Uh, and obviously, last but not least, uh, for me as well, it was a hijrah journey for me as you know, as I progress in my uh, entrepreneurial journey, uh, I always strive to make my business more halal, make my risk and everything more halal, you know. Uh, not just that, even my our operations and how we, you know, hand, you know, how we how we go about our daily lives and routines in work, right? So I did not have a separation between work and ibadah, like, you know, like prayer, like, okay. I, I go to Zohor, like I got to be good Muslim. And then I, I come out of the musallah, right? I'm like, all right, you know. This is, <laughs> Let's be a bad Muslim. Shark <laughs> tank, right? This yeah. Is, you know, yeah. This is like, okay, man, you got to kill some people. Right? Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> in a business sense, right? Yeah. Uh, and I didn't have that, that separation. And we wanted to, you know, we wanted to have this uh, complete uh, life as a Muslim. And the more and more we was in that journey. Uh, and I think uh, it, it is... Uh, Obviously, you can survive in the startup scene, right? As a Muslim, it's not ideal, right? Uh, but I think we wanted something more ideal for Muslim founders ourselves first, and also for other Muslim founders, right? So, uh, so all those I think three came together pro- problems that I, I, I kind of saw in this in the industry uh, opportunity in the Islamic global economy, and you know my personal journey as trying to be a better Muslim, uh, you know, trying to get the uh, pleasure of Allah, right? And uh, and I, I guess uh, you know I, I see this also as probably my final retirement project that I want to work on and uh, retire. So and yeah, what best? I mean, I really like where I am right now. It's my journey as to becoming a good Muslim and also taking my uh, professional um, experience and uh, you know uh, expertise, right? And to put it together in one place. Uh, and, and and that's really why those three things come together. Why uh, we I, we decided to launch uh, Andalus Ventures uh, sometime last year. Thinking about it, right? So 
it always happens in like Ramadan, right? Ramadan, you think about something, then you contemplate, and like, okay, we gotta do something. Yeah. The next Ramadan, like, okay, <laughs> let's do it now. <laughs> so this, this is very in- interesting. I mean, um, I love the fact that you're kind of making this your worship, and this is like your focus. And I love the connection that you guys are making between entrepreneurship and Muslims and Akhirah. This is all like really, really great stuff, mashallah. So, so fundamentally, like, what kind of projects uh, do you see Andalus working on? What kind of things will you be doing? Who are the people you'll be supporting? What kind of uh, projects will you be doing? Yeah, so I think one of the things that we worked on in Andalus is that Andalus Ventures is to look at uh, what kind of startups that we wanted to work with, right? So, um, alhamdulillah, you know, we had some amazing team members that, that reached out to us from all parts of the world. And uh, we went on this, uh, you know, um, I, I, I would say task to kind of like shape what we feel the Islamic economy should look like, right? Uh, what kind of verticals that the Islamic economy should look like, and we wanted, and we found a balance uh, not just on market capitalism, right, or consumerism, but also looking at uh, obviously, okay, what what's going to be profitable, but also what's going to help the society and the ummah, and also you know how do we look at uh, responsible usage of uh, natural resources, right, yeah, and and you know, uh, and I think we also studied. The Makassid Sharia, in terms of how do we apply the Makassid Sharia into the business sense, uh, and you know the kind of businesses and verticals that, as a Muslim, we need to uh, we need to be in, right? So, um, you know, for example, we 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 looked like uh, distribution of wealth, right? Not just on fi- um, finance and, and fintech, but really on wealth and how do we look at distribution of wealth? What kind of tools? What kind of products and services we wanted to put into the market that will help to I guess, um, you know, have better wealth uh, distribution as well, right? Uh, obviously, we studied things like uh, food security, and I think the pandemic has showed us with regards to, you know, how uh, fragile we are with food security, and maybe we're chasing too much tech, and we forget about our food <laughs> food, uh, food resources, right? Uh, so I think those are some of the things that we kind of look at as well. How do we bring tech? How do we bring intelligence in terms of, uh, food security, you know, I think uh, I've, I've also kind of like over the last couple of months looked at a couple of amazing, amazing startup ideas that looking at, you know, just improving the, uh, the efficiency of, uh, you know, a, 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 you know a, a land or crop, right, in terms of crop production and things like that, yeah. So, and uh, yeah, and uh, I think, you know, even uh, in Islam, right, I mean, we, it's, it's, a, it's a religion that was put in uh, for us to live in a society, right? So, any Allah in His wisdom knew that we as a community will be converging into cities, right? So, how do we look in terms of building, you know, the cities for the future? Uh, looking at trends, what's going to happen in the next 10, 20 years, right? Uh, so, for example, one startup that we're working with is actually in elderly care because uh, we looked at the trends that we, as a, as a, as a world, as a, you know, as as humankind, as our health, uh, you know, as as our um, I would say our healthcare and our food, everything improves. The expect life expectancy increases, and sure, mm. surely, you know, we will get into an old society, right? So, you know, how do we prepare for that? Well, I want the startups that we do is looking into uh, elderly care, looking into how do we then, you know, um, you know, prevent all the diseases from happening in in your elderly life, right? Uh, and when you're elderly, how what kind of products and services that we want to kind of push out, right? Uh, to to that, so. Uh, so those are this kind of uh, examples, right? and I think you can go to the Andalus Ventures website 
uh, and you can look at some of the verticals that we kind of like talked about. Um, because I, I think yeah, coming back to um, my exposure and training with the programs that we run for, which we ran for the Sovereign Wealth Fund, that because it was Sovereign Wealth Fund, so fairness was important. So anyone with the idea couldn't be pushed away. So we had to entertain, right? Yeah. Um, that gave us, from a program perspective, that gave us nightmares because you know we <laughs> didn't know what, what startup we we're going to be building yeah. next. But what that did for us is it trained us to build practically any kind of startup. Okay. They came, they came, get came to our door, right? Um, if you ask me whether I want to do it again, I'll probably say no. <laughs> so <that's laughs> but it was why. worth the, the learning. Yeah, but for, so that's why now there's a bit more structure. Okay, these are the areas that we're going to be building on and things like that. So, uh, inshallah, I think over the next couple of months, we will start to detail out a little bit more, uh, come up with examples of startups. I mean, you know, right now it's quite big uh, uh, categories or verticals. But inshallah, in the next couple of months, we would like to kind of like zoom in and, and, and uh, detail out. Um, and I think, yeah, we've also launched our virtual uh, startup generator program. Uh, and, you know, uh, you know, founders from anywhere can kind of like uh, apply. We left it open right now uh, because I think right now we also, we also want to hear from startup founders out there. What are the ideas or businesses that they, they want to kind of build or launch? Uh, and then after that, I think anyone that kind of closely matches the verticals that we're in, we probably have more conversation with them and see whether we actually take them on as our first batch. Okay, that's wonderful. I think it'd be great for people to kind of get involved with you. Um, you know, with entrepreneurship, we've talked about a lot of the subjects that people would talk about normally, right? Like like the lean startup and innovation and this and that. I want to ask you about the really big question that a lot of people care about, right? So I want you to tell me a little bit about funding, right? Because mm. a lot of us, like obviously with the whole startup mentality, we've proven that you don't need cash to actually start an idea and stuff. But you know, some businesses, they do require funding. They do need money to kind of really take it to that level. I mean, what's your tips, tricks, advice on getting funding and, and how do we kind of do it? Because you've been at the center of it with wealth funds and all these kind of things. So how does one, one go about trying to get funding? Yeah. So the thing that I, I share, we share with uh, the founders and, you know, even you know people that talk to me, I only say that. So I, I hear from both sides, right? So I hear from both sides. So the investors they complain about having no deals to invest in. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then the startup founder say the startup founder says that I can't find any money. There's, investors don't want to invest. Mm. When investors say there's no deals to invest in, they say that there's no good deals to invest in. Mm. That's the problem, right? Yeah. Um, so and uh, and if you talk to anyone in the in the investment side, they, they'll say there's too much money going around and you know, um, you've, you've, I, I just had a conversation just now with one potential investor. He's telling me to how some bigger investment companies have, you know, invested in lesser performing, uh, you know, uh, investment vehicles mm. because they, they're desperate, right? Yeah, to they find know something. That, okay, to find something, to get some kind mm. of thing, they're desperate, right? Yeah. So my, my, my tip to, to startup founders is that, you know, uh, knowing this information, you just need the, the key word is about traction, right? You build something that has that, that shows that you know uh, people want to buy from you, that you're going to have customers buying from you, that you've got customers using your app or using your product, right? Uh, you got to be able to demonstrate that. And once that's demonstrated, even the crappier pitch deck, all right, will get you investors interested because the investors will see through that pitch deck, all right? Uh, and, and then see, okay, wow, he's got great traction, right? 
uh, it's got amazing traction. And I think there was an example of, uh, uh, I can't remember now, there was this uh, app that, that used to schedule social media releases. And, and it's an example of they had the crappiest pitch deck, but they had one slide that, that showed that traction and all the investors went mm -hmm. gaga over it, right? <laughs> you know? And, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and uh, I, I've gone to pitch, uh, pitch sessions where uh, sometimes you have, uh, you know, especially Japanese, Korean founders and everything, English isn't great, they barely speak English, but then they show one slide that shows traction and then, you know, the investors understand, you know, Korean English, right? broken Korean English, uh, you know, <laughs> no, 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 uh, no issue, right? Obviously, if you're a great storyteller and you polish pitch deck, you know, you could potentially also get, uh, you know, uh, funding because investors, okay, believe your story, can work with you and whatnot. But I think my, even I think in this uh, COVID, especially in this pandemic uh, era, and uh, I've, I've been, you know, talking and being in this in the investor circle right now. Uh, even now, the investors are coming back to basics uh, even more. Uh, and, you know, they, they want to see traction. They want to see, okay, show me revenue now. Don't just don't, don't show me growth. I think before it's all about this whole, you know, one thing about the startup thing is about slightly, you know, sometimes I either agree or don't, I mean, maybe I disagree. Like, it's all about, okay, you know, uh, let's burn some cash. Let's let's mm. spend on customer acquisition, right? Yeah. Uh, you you could be uh, you know you, you could be cash flow negative, right? Uh, you could be losing money, but yeah, we're going for the big market. We're going for market share, uh, and you know you raise a lot of money for customer customer acquisition. And you're just burning cash, right? So I think investors now are saying, okay, look, you know, uh, we're going to kind of be grounded a little bit more, and and looking for that. So. For any founders out there, uh, really work on. I mean, again, uh, really work on your customer development. Uh, really get first problem solution fit, and then you know uh, product product market fit, right? Uh, you know, work on those two things, and just get your startup hot and get traction. And you will have investors calling you because there's so there's a lack of good deals out there for investors to uh, you know to invest in. And the moment in investors about a good deal, you know, they're going to call, be calling their friends, say, hey, I, you know, you want to come in in a deal with me? Uh, this is a great startup, right? The, 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 the news will spread and, you know, you'll, you'll so, have... So, you know, Zafro, like, to pick you. something I want to ask you about this, because obviously someone <laughs> like yourself, bro, Marshall, like, you've been through it, you know so many people, right? But if I'm that young person who's taken your MVP advice, done something, got some traction, it's starting to look really, really great. I don't know anybody, right? Like, how on earth am I going to find someone? I've got, all right, I've got a good pitch that I can even tell stories. But how am I going to get mm. connected to someone who's going to have potentially hundreds of thousands of pounds? Yeah. Um, okay, so my experience in uh, US, in Silicon Valley, and my experience in UK, I think... Uh, for me, US and UK has a pretty good ecosystem uh, in the sense where, you know, you have a lot of meetups that you can go to, and generally when you go to meetups, if you if you have a, if you have something of value and you pitch it to the, someone else and you say, hey, can you help me? Can you introduce me to so and so and so? Right? I'm looking for this, this, this. They generally will help you. There's one thing good about the startup ecosystem is that they have this culture of pay it forward, right? Uh, I think it's very Islamic in that sense, you know, where, you know, based on merit, I'll listen to you, okay, uh, you've got something of value and I'll help you out, right? And, you know, for no fee, just because I, I just want to help you out, I want to pay it forward, right? 
and we have this culture pay it forward. So I think if a young kid or young first time entrepreneur, you know, you've got the network, you've got to get yourself out there, you've got to pitch to people, you've got to be uh, first, you know, have value, create value, you know, of a great product, of a great service, of a great startup and pitch it and, you know, ask for help, right? You say, hey, you know, I'm looking for, I'm looking to fundraise, uh, where do you think is the best place, right? Uh, do you know anybody that you can introduce me to, right? Because more often than not, uh, if in, in, you know, where you're at in, in the UK startup ecosystem, uh, I remember when I was in, in, in London, uh, I opened that meetup.com and, you know, things like that. And every day, right, there's, there's meetups every day, you know, uh, morning, lunch, night, right? Uh, and you've got to get out there and hustle and you've got to get out there and meet people and, you know, pitch and pitch and pitch and pitch, right? So, Great. and yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's actually a very good suggestion. So you're basically saying that, look, because you have something of value, because you have some traction, just go and have lots and lots of conversations with people, people that you know, friends, family, those that know other people. And then you've got all these great things like meetups and all these other things. Just go and talk to as many people as you can. And basically something yeah. will show up. Yeah. I, 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 I remember the story that first time I, was, I landed in Silicon Valley, right? Uh, in, in the Bay Area. I can't remember where I was at, but I, I remember that it was in a coffee shop. And I paid for my coffee. I was waiting for my coffee, right? And then this guy comes up to me and says, hey, dude, how are you doing? And he just pitches his whole idea, right? He just pitches wow. his whole idea. He didn't know you or nothing, yeah? Nope, didn't know me okay. and, and whatnot. So I was like, what is this guy doing, right? Why is he telling me all this stuff? And then I went back to my friends and I'm like, oh, dude, he must have been practicing with you. He must have been like, you know, he's probably going to to pitch to, to you know, to an investor mm. right now and... He, you know, he used you as practice. He wanted to, you know, get some feedback from you, you know, things like that, right? Um, so yeah, so it just kind of shows that, you know, if you're new, go out there, pitch. Um, you know, again, uh, I, I think because in a in a vibrant startup uh, ecosystem, you've probably heard the idea many times. No one's going to take your idea and run away and, and and execute it. If you find that guy executing your idea, he's probably been thinking about it anyway, right? Uh, you know, so uh, don't be afraid about, about it. You know, you know, it's like a boomerang, right? You throw your idea out, you know, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. But then it comes back to you. It's like, you know, 10 times stronger, 10 times better. People have heard about it. Mm. So just just pitch your idea out, right? I think same thing as uh, Andalus Ventures as well. Uh, you know, when we had the idea, Andalus Ventures, we came out with the brand. I think the first thing that we did was we, uh, we, did, uh, we shared our story on social media. We said what we we're going to do. We shared the idea of Andalus Ventures and... Alhamdulillah, you know, people reached out to us and say, hey, pretty amazing idea. Uh, how can we help you make it better? Let me give you some feedback. Hey, I want to work with you. You know, all that kind of stuff, right? So just don't be shy and, and just go out and pitch. Okay, amazing. So we're kind of fast running out of time, right? But I want to ask you something. Like a lot of um, the kind of work you've been talking about is working with people, right? And, and a part of that is leadership. So I wanted to just get your kind of views, like with all your experience, what is leadership for you? What kind of uh, like ideas do you have around that? Who are leaders that have inspired you? Mm. So I think, um, you know, a lot of, sometimes that's the thing, right? Uh, I, I'm, when you talk about leadership, so obviously you, you, you uh, I know, I think over time, you kind of understand sometimes as a leader, you almost like, you know, the best leaders are the best followers, right? Uh, and, and, you know, um, the best leaders are the ones who 
uh, empower people around you. Uh, you know, you can be the best coordinator, right? So there's different kinds of leadership. So obviously, I, I think in this journey as well, I think when we wanted to start uh, Andalus Ventures, uh, you know, obviously you read about leadership stories from, you know, of you've got uh, Simon Sinex of the world and, you know, you've got books on Jim Collins and all the leadership stuff, you know, from all, you know, uh, you know major corporations, you know, corporates that, that was built to last. I don't know whether they're still lasting right now <laughs> after that book. <laughs> right? And you find all those leadership stories. But I think what we did, what I did personally was then I studied uh, our prophet, you know, uh, Rasulullah right? Uh, his leadership uh, uh, techniques, you know, I think he was the greatest leader of, of, of all times, right? Um, and, and uh, you know, obviously when I looked at his leadership, uh, you know, traits and capability, uh, you know, mashallah, um, I try my best to kind of emulate or try to follow his leadership. Obviously, I'm so, 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 so far away from it, right? Uh, but, but, but really, you know, uh, uh, and, and when, when you read his leadership uh, traits, right, and, and how he lead, uh, how he led the ummah, uh, and he he was a leader everywhere, right? He was a he was a leader uh, at home. He was a leader to his community. He was a leader to the army. He was a you know uh, he was a leader as a businessman, right? Uh, so uh, I I and you know and there's so, so many things like you know leading by doing. I think one the the first thing that I kind of like also uh, emulate. So there's so many stories. Uh, Prophet Sallallahu when he wanted his companions to do something, he's like, okay, I'm going to do it first. I'm going to show you, I'm going to do it, and then you follow, right? So a lot of the things that we do in Andalus Ventures, I say, okay, before we tell someone to do it, we do it, right? Uh, you know, before we tell someone to do it, we go into it, right? So uh, I kind of like use a lot of those techniques as well. Um, and a lot of things that I teach, I've done it, right? Uh, you know, if I tell other startups to do it, you know, I get my team to do it, right? I say, okay, we can't tell people to do something and you don't do it, yes. right? So yeah. I tell my I tell my team that okay, you know, um, that's how we lead. If we wanted to, we wanted to get the startups, the Muslim startups, to practice good, you know, to use world class methodologies like lean startup and you know how they build startups. We internally have to internalize it and we have to do it, right? We have to master it. We have to go deep into it. Then you know, then when people see we do it, then we tell people to do it. Okay, you know. Can't say much, right? Uh, you you're you're doing it yourself, you know? Yeah. yeah so, uh, yeah, I, I I you know and uh, and and what I do is I kind of map Prophet uh, Salam's leadership uh, qualities and and techniques to a lot of the you know modern day leaders, right? Uh, and I and I see a lot of it, right? I mean, I, I see a lot of similarities in how leaders have you know adopted some of his traits and being successful, and you can see you I mean if you study Prophet Sallallahu uh, leadership traits, uh, and you kind of map it against some of the best leaders out there in the world right now. You see his traits, you know, in in bits and pieces, or, or as a whole, you know, um, a lot of it in some of the great leaders uh, out there, right? So to me, yeah, uh, to me that's uh, again I I can't stress enough. I think if any of any, I mean anyone, right, uh, Muslim, non-Muslim as well, uh, is looking for time-tested, proven leadership qualities and, you know, characteristics, right? Uh, not facts because otherwise, okay, this five years, this is how you'll be a good leader. The next five years, this is how you be a good leader, right? Something that was, you know, uh, sent down to us 1,400 years ago and has last tested, uh, you know, has lasted the test of time. 
uh, just look at our, our you know our prophet sallallahu Excellent. Okay, wonderful. So I want to kind of like end by uh, calling on one of your big strengths, which is resourcefulness, mashallah, right? Um, I want you to just think about people who are looking to grow their business, grow their organizations, become great leaders. What are some of the like apps, tools, resources, books? What are the kind of things that you recommend a lot to people and that have really helped? Okay. So um, like for uh, number one, I think uh, for me, is that uh, I I can't stress enough to read right, so you 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 have to read. I think you know as Muslims as well. And our first ayat that was uh, sent down is uh, Iqra, right? <laughs> like read and all that, right? So um, that's number one. Uh, and for me personally, uh, even when I was you know I was based in Silicon, I mean I was traveling and everything like that. I had to find time to read, and I couldn't read when I was moving, and I I kind of read slow. So I kind of, you know, have audiobooks downloaded uh, and I read them when I'm driving and everything like that, right? Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm if I'm overseas, I'm on the train and things like that. So, you, you know, just using that time well, it's amazing how much books you can read or you can be read to right? and, and information, right? Uh, and what happens is that once you listen to it, uh, if there's any topic or section that you wanted to revisit, you go in and say, okay, now I'm going to deep dive and just read this small portion. That has worked tremendously for, for me and that has en- enabled me to read, quote-unquote, uh, you know, more than 10 books a year, right? Uh, sometimes 20 books a year or sometimes I repeat some of the books, you know, just to kind of refresh my uh, my memory. So obviously, I, I used a lot of uh, Audible, right? Uh, and the great thing about, about Audible is you put it in your pocket and then you can pause it and play if you use YouTube, you put it in your pocket and then it gets messed up and then you lose. It's not the same. You know, yeah. It's not the same, right? It's yeah. not the same. So that's number one. Uh, number two, in terms of tricks as well, uh, is that uh, I used to have, I mean, you know, um, I, I put my entire business on the cloud. So I run my entire business uh, on the cloud, everything from HR, finance, operations, you name it, right? Uh, and, and uh, you know, I used to have this, this my old laptop in my bag, you know, with all my stickers and all my different charges of the world and all my ready to go and passports <laughs> in my bag, right? Yeah. I'm ready to jet set anywhere and I could be running my business from airports and, and things like that. So, uh, and it's, it's, you know, you just have to experiment and get your business, uh, you know, kind of like on the, uh, on the cloud. And when it's on the cloud, you can have a lot of um, apps kind of sync into each other, right? You can, can sync up like, so, you know, for example, your CRM, your database and your accounting software, your customer information is using one because you're synced up, you know, both, both apps or those kind of help with regards to, uh, you know, having a smooth transition with regard, you know, smooth operations with regards to managing customers and managing operations and finance and whatnot. So, so some, some of the tools, um, obviously, we use a lot of Google Docs. Uh, none of our docs are... Uh, and and any founder right now, I mean, anyone out there, he still uses, you know, um, Microsoft Word on your laptop, <laughs> yeah. and, you're, and you're and you're still thinking about, oh, I need to save my, I need to save my doc, I need to save my doc. I'm worried I'm gonna lose my version, right? I mean, I haven't thought about saving stuff for <laughs> I don't know. Five six years. Oh, I mean, that's a, that's a, actually a very great point, bro. Like you know, in the days we used to press file, save, or save as, yeah. right? It's so yeah. true. You know, someone sent me a PowerPoint the other day. I was doing this workshop for someone. They sent me a PowerPoint of slides, 
And I was a bit confused. Just for a second, my brain just fuzzed a little bit. Like, <laughs> hey, what? Like, I have to download this and then I have to upload it into my presentation. So, okay, amazing. That that's a good suggestion. That if you're not yeah. on Google Docs right now, like you need to sort it out. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, now obviously you have Microsoft 365, and even you have the app, you know, the 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 uh, uh, Apple suite of Keynote uh, Keynote uh, pages and numbers also on cloud, right? But you know, that that just gets your get your entire team to collaborate on a docs like that, right? Uh, so you're all working on a, on on a particular, you know, you can work together, you can synchronize working together on the same doc. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry about saving everything. You don't have to worry. You can always roll back versions and whatnot, whatnot. So I think those are some, um, I would say, you know, uh, efficiency tools that you need, you need to kind of like get used to. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, there, there are some uh, general stuff. And right now there's so much content online, you know, you can upskill yourself, right? Um, if like, I I think when we started the our our startup program, our pre-accelerator program, I mean, five maybe now five years ago, we had to come up with content because there was not much. But now, after the last couple of years, we like just we just stopped doing content. We just started curating content because there's so much content already, you know, created out there. Uh, if you wanted to build a startup, right, right now, if you just have to be a little bit resourceful, go online, search for stuff. You know, you can't go wrong. You're gonna you're gonna bump into lean startup. You're gonna bump into agile. You're gonna bump into you know, design thinking. You know, uh, design, uh, design spring by Google, this and that, OKRs, you're going to bump into all, all of these things, you know, um, and it's, it's, it's something that you can, uh, you know, uh, what I would, I would recommend in terms of productivity hacks and tools and whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. I miss anything? Is there, is there anything that you no, guys no, no. use that? I think, I think, I think you've, you've captured it really good. And I think like, obviously, like <clears> you said, with all of these things, there's lots of things that can fit in. Like, you know, there's Trello, there's Slack, there's Zapier, all these kind of, it just makes it possible. And I think what I love about that is it really, really is important considering Corona, considering remote working, all this kind of stuff. Like, you know, I, I know companies that are still running Microsoft Exchange servers for emails, you know, it's like crazy, really? but yeah, but like, <laughs> this is, this is the reality we're in. So I think anyone who's looking to come to market now, I think you're absolutely right that they need to be really thinking like that. Um, so that's wonderful. Really, really great. Uh, Zafrul, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here today, man. I really, really appreciate you coming on. Jazakallah uh, for all the wonderful mm -hmm. advice and, and the time. And, you know, I know that you really played your part in helping other people to really uh, be great, inshallah. So thank you so much for being here, bro. Jazakallah Most welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, I hope that, uh, you know, the, your audience finds you know, some of the stuff you talked about useful, right? And uh, yeah, inshallah, you know, anytime you want me to come again and share more stuff, uh, we want happy to. Excellent. Brothers and sisters, this is the Muslim CEO show. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. Um, there's so many great things that we went through, especially related to startups, related to business, entrepreneurship. Um, so definitely you guys should be taking notes, you should be implementing the kind of stuff we said. If there's only one thing you take away from this today is that you can implement your idea within three to five days. So you need to go take action. Uh, remember to subscribe to the channel if you haven't already done so uh, and check out our free training at muslimceo.com and of course go over to Endless Ventures and check out what they're doing. Jazakallah khair guys for watching and inshallah I'll see you on the next one.